you know that's such an iconic product in fact to the fact that um the swiss post came out with a campaign this year where they're celebrating swiss innovation and for some key innovations they're producing a stamp um and now there is a barivox stamp that you can actually send your christmas letters with uh, which is just the mammut barivox and that's kind of you know incredible to make a product that is then used as a stamp um uh, of a country fascinating are the characteristics behind many different brands. Some of them are outgoing and energetic, some are a little bit more laid back. So in this podcast, we look to explore all the different characteristics, not only of the brand itself, its roots, its origins, but the people behind the brand. And is there a bit of a relationship between the characters of the people and the characters of the brand? This episode is brought to you by Free Flow Coaching. Whether you are looking to upgrade your skiing skills, learn about ski touring, or create a personal development plan, Floss Cockle is your guide for continual improvement on or off the slopes. Unlock your potential and check out her adventures at freeflowski.com. Hey, what's up everybody and welcome to this episode of Legends of the Brand. Phil Gordon here and on this week's episode, we speak to Greg Newhouse, who is the chairman of Mammoth Sports. Now we have a fantastic conversation, Greg and I do, about uh, his career through business, but also his athletic endeavors and what it takes to build a culture of innovation with a company such as Mammoth that's got so much heritage, this being their 160th year. So I hope you'll enjoy this episode. And here we go and on with the show. Well, good afternoon, good morning, and welcome wherever you are. And welcome to this episode of Legends of the Brand. And today I'm really excited to have with us Greg Newhouse, who is the chairman of Mammoth. So welcome aboard. Hi, Phil. Great to see you again. Nice to see you as well. So, uh, you know, for those of us who are uh, obviously... Uh, watching it, it would probably see that you're in a nice wooden cabin, but uh, chances are uh, people might think that it's in the Swiss Alps, but whereabouts are you right now? Yeah, I wish I could say I'm in the Swiss Alps, about 2,000 meters, just came back from a run in the mountains <laughs> and getting ready for, for skiing. But the reality is I'm in, I'm in my garden, in nature, that's a good thing, <laughs> uh, in the Cotswolds, um, and it's a beautiful autumn day. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, thankfully the weather's changed, uh, changed for the better because it was a little bit wet for a little bit earlier on today. But yeah, no, it's lovely. And uh, you spending time outside. I mean, obviously, um, you know, we'll probably get this in a second. But you originally um, uh, from well, you're, you're Dutch, uh, but um, we spend time in the mountains. Do you remember your first time in the mountains and, and your first kind of experience there? First memorable experience in the mountains. Yeah, the first my first experience was um, that I remember also partly from stories I have to say was I was four years old, and uh, my father took me skiing, and I'd never skied before, and I think he was a bit enthusiastic, so he took me up uh, a slope. It was a red slope that I tried to ski down, mm -hmm. which obviously uh, didn't go that well. And I remember the first time I lost my ski, I thought I'd broken my leg, um, <laughs> and that uh, that it was the, kind of my last adventure skiing. That first piece was not fun, but after that, it was uh, mostly uphill with uh, with my experience with with mountains and skis, and it's become a fundamental part of my life in my both in my in 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 personal and in business. And you know, I I um, yeah, I proposed to my wife in the mountains, and I married her in Saint Anton wearing my ski boots. So there you go. 
<laughs> so it's 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 a it's a way of life. Um, I mean, and you know, spending time outdoors all the time. I mean, we'll, we'll jump to this in a second, but uh, in terms of your athletic endeavors, but you know, what what does spending time outside mean to you, or what does being outdoors mean to you? Look, I think for me, it's uh, you know, I, I've always enjoyed working a lot, and uh, sometimes getting carried away with work, and and I just find it a pure necessity um, and also a true enjoyment to be able to go outside and ideally active, you know, running or cycling or skiing or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's a way for me to relax actually. Um, and to recharge the batteries, to contemplate around challenges. And, you know, sometimes I get so busy that I think, Oh, you know, I don't really have the time for running. And I've just learned that um, that's really the wrong answer. It's always the best answer to go out there take the break take the fresh air and come back and suddenly big problems can seem to be you know i can easily spend two hours on something have no idea go for one come back and within 10 minutes it's sorted um so you know going outside and having that that possibility that luxury of you know nature and having a fit body uh is is, is amazing yeah that's one of the most precious things i have yeah and, and i think as well especially after the the the, the couple of years that we've had in terms of you know um, you know, people's just general well-being, getting outside and just being active, obviously, just has a has a great benefit, just in general, to uplift everybody. Um, you, you mentioned beforehand about your dad taking you skiing. Just if we were to rewind, were your parents active people? Were they has has outdoors and athleticism always been uh, a factor for you? And were they like role models that kind of you know <clears throat> encourage you to get outside? I mean, I would say um, they both were good skiers, uh, mm -hmm. but they. They were not as competitive. I was always very competitive um, from from kind of quite young. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that I must have developed uh, myself. I think there was part of it also trying to please my father. And if he, he liked me to win. So I and therefore I, I started to like to to win to also please him. Mm -hmm. um, but he he was a triathlete, so he did train quite a lot. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and I just, you know, I'm a little bit all or nothing. So either I do something and I just go fully into it or or I don't, but let's, I'm not good at doing things halfway. <laughs> that's, well, that, 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 there's worse things, worse things to, to have that to go all in or not. And in terms of, I mean, you've, you've tended to do, from, from my understanding as well, you tend to do more individual sports as opposed to more team sports. Would that be fair? I mean, you've obviously done some great mountaineering. I mean, looking at your, your, uh, uh, your list of achievements. I mean, was it 2012, 13, and 17, the Dutch National Mountaineering Champion? Uh, and then, ski Mountaineering. Yeah, Ski, yeah, ski Mountaineering. mountaineering. Ski know, mountain. Arguably, it's the Netherlands, so you can, you know, what does that mean, really? There's only, like, a few people at the start, but... Yeah. <laughs> well, you've done that, and then you, you've done, like, the UTMB, was it in 2014? You, you ran that as well. So you've done a lot of the, these great sports. We've excelled at them, but as an individual compared to a... Um, in a team, but has have you always been pulled to the individual sport as opposed to the team sport? So as a when I was young as a child, I did I did a lot of swimming and a lot of mm -hmm. triathlon. So that's individual. Mm -hmm. When we moved to the Netherlands, I played you know uh, field hockey for uh, seven years at a reasonably high level, which I really really enjoyed. Uh, so that was a great uh, team sport. <clears throat> then I had a few kind of experiences rowing in other sports, football with other people where I usually just got so frustrated because I felt like the other people on my team didn't want to win as badly as I did. So I, <laughs> I, I usually left the field quite frustrated, even if I had won. Um, but I mean, one of my best achievements, I think, 
in you know in terms of sports has been getting to the top of the Choyu, which is an eight thousand meter peak, which I, I skied down, and I did that with with one of my best friends. So we, that was clearly you know, and then there was another friend of us coming with us as a doctor. I mean that that gratification of doing something together and doing something that you know you could not have done without that team, I think is also uh, amazing. That's. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, when you when you build, I guess you build a bit of a. You uh, can excel as an individual, but still have that support. I mean, that's. Uh, we'll probably move on to that a little bit, and we we'll talk about some of your, your business career as well. But yeah, you know, you, you kind of need that team around you to do stuff. Um, of those different sports, you kind of you you've done. Uh, obviously, you probably still have a, quite a passion for for skiing, ski mountaineering, and everything like that. Which one? Which one would you say resonates with you the absolute most? The the one that kind of still that fires you up. I mean, I guess the one I do most is trail running mm -hmm. just because it's the most accessible. Mm -hmm. um, but I would say the sweet spot for me is probably technical ski mountaineering. Okay. Uh, so it's lightweight, you know, fast up, mm -hmm. uh, either in racing style or uh, kind of a little bit more exposed couloirs and just kind of pushing the boundaries a bit in terms of the downhill. That's really... Uh, but it has to be endurance-led. And I think those two... Really, I love, and they're very compatible. So, what you're saying that is, uh, uh, getting a call up for the England football team is probably not really going to be an option right now. Well, even if I was called, I didn't think <laughs> I would get very far. <laughs> so, if we take a look at some of your your business career and some of your journey, uh, can you share some of us your 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 path as to kind of your journey? Because you've had some amazing successes along the way in terms of obviously currently right now you're chairman, but you're obviously. Uh, CEO for a while of Mammut, but perhaps you can uh, give us an overarching view sure. of some of your journey. Yeah, so I, I was born in the US. I moved to Europe and Netherlands when I was 11 to a, a French uh, baccalaureate. And then I went to university in the Netherlands where I kind of did applied physics, um, a master. And then I decided, I you know, that world was too slow for me. Uh, I didn't have the patience for, uh, for the R&D. So I joined a strategy consultant, stayed there, OCNC strategy consultants. I was there for seven years, really loved it, but realized, you know, giving advice is one thing, making it happen is more exciting and more difficult. Um, so I was, yeah, I, I, I then decided like, I love the outdoors and the mountains so much. I want to match my passion with my work because you spend so much time at work. Um, so I had a coffee with the CEO uh, of Bever at the time. Then he introduced me to the investor, uh, Lion Capital, and suddenly I had a job there. And about a year and a half later, I was the CEO of Bever, which was uh, you know, the leading outdoor retailer in the Netherlands. I was 31, didn't have much leadership experience, made loads of mistakes. Um, but yeah, somehow managed to, to pull out a few good tricks. And it was a really fun ride. I learned so much about myself and business and teams. And, you know, we pushed really hard on Omnichannel and you know, kind of making the brand more accessible. Then I moved to the UK uh, just after the acquisition of Snow and Rock by Cotton Outdoors, which was also a, a fun time, but pretty tough because the environment was tough. I think the situation um, internally was quite challenging. I think it was it was not always easy to convince the people around me how much change was needed to really have those businesses excel. So that was a different experience in terms of, you know, more pressure on cost on cash, um, which was. Yeah, I think on hindsight, probably one of the tougher parts of my career. Mm -hmm. um, and then I had a break for about 18 months because I had some some family health issues. Mm -hmm. And then Mahmoud came around the corner 
And uh, I mean, that's been incredible because Mammut is, you know, it's probably the or one of the most iconic mountain brands out there. And um, kind of with my background and then your opportunity to look at it and see the potential to, to turn that around and really increase the, the size of the business and the profitability. And yeah, it's, it's so I've been there for the last year and a half and it's been, it's been an amazing journey. Um, and, you know, I've been learning so much, working with so many great people. And that's the one thing that probably I like the most about working in the outdoor industry is you, of course, you know, the products is one thing and you get all these exciting videos all the time. And, but the shared passion with the people you work with is, mm. is, is unrivaled. Yeah. And I, I it's, uh, it really does feel like when you work in these sort of uh, worlds that it's, it's, it's a lifestyle, isn't it? It's, it, you, you get involved in the industry and, it, you know, everybody, I think from either the snow sports or from outdoor in general, everybody just wants to just be outside and doing stuff. And they're the real, uh, the real users of the product. Um, if you look at your, your journey just before you became, uh, you know, time at, the, at Mammut, um, what do you think was your busy, you know, biggest success uh, throughout your uh, Baver journey and everything like that? And what did you what did you take away with that that uh, that that event may have had on, on your life? Uh, I'd say probably the biggest success was that Baver, where when I joined it was a uh, you know single channel. It was stores only, pretty traditional, uh, slowly growing company with a strong brand, good reputation. And we transformed it to something that was growing much faster. It was completely omni-channel. It was winning omni-channel awards in the Netherlands and internationally. And the brand just became, I would say, still symbolic for uh, experts in the outdoors, but also attracted a whole new range of new consumers who would not have thought about visiting Bever before. I think that was that was really exciting. And it taught me that basically, you know, the sky is the limit with most businesses of course you need some strong ingredients mm -hmm. like you know a great reputation great people um and a strong brand uh, but if you have those you know you can do incredible things with any business really well you mentioned about obviously strong brand so so mamut we've jumped to to mamut now i mean uh, this is your 160th year uh which is obviously a, an a incredible uh landmark um, so for those people who don't know about the brand, perhaps give us a little overview. But one of the things is historically you've had, is it a, is it a mammoth that's been the logo? Is it a woolly mammoth? Yes, it is. Yes. And, and, and what, um, what's the story behind that one? So basically, Casper um, Tanner started the business in a garage in 1862. Mm -hmm. um, and he was in the rope production business. Mm -hmm. um, and he basically wanted to make a rope that was the strongest rope in the world. And for him, the way to exemplify that was the mammut, which is the strong, super strong um, animal um, that that stood for the rope. And um, and that's you know that's how the the company has obviously evolved, and so has the logo. But the name is still the same, hundred sixty <laughs> years later. That's incredible. Do you have um, do you have uh, many events planned for this the hundred sixtieth year um, to, to celebrate it? So we've we yeah we've been kind of doing a lot of different things uh, uh, internally. We had a party I think uh, a few a few weeks ago. Mm -hmm. We've been doing a lot on social media, and uh, we have uh, an event uh, coming up with all of our uh, retail partners uh, mm -hmm. in Munich during the uh, the ISPO event at the mm -hmm. end of November, where we're going to get together and kind of celebrate 160 years. Um, yeah. Also talk a little bit about our plans for the future. Because there is a new CEO on board and a new team and, and a new strategy, which is really about 
strengthening our position as a mountain brand you know we're really there to to inspire people to to get to the mountains and protect them and have amazing adventures in a safe way um yeah so there's still a lot to come yeah it's i mean you mentioned about protecting the mountains and we'll probably dive on this a little bit later on but uh you know doing some research for us i was so impressed to see how much um work you guys do in terms of the reports you've commissioned in terms of you know the, the work you're doing uh, and and all the information which you're putting out there and you, you've actually you're building more much more of um uh i would say a community because you don't just deal with you know sleeping bags and and um you know clothing with that you guys actually have a wide range of products you know everything from schools to to all sorts of stuff to ropes and it was it's fascinating to see that you're actually now taking a look at all these different things the impact that they have through the entire life cycle which i thought was was really really incredible but uh again for you know mammut touches so many different areas and is obviously around the globe what sort of categories are you actually in i mean we probably know no no view for like ropes and that sort of stuff but what sort of yeah. things do you guys make or do <laughs> Well, I mean, in principle, we're there. You know, our key activities are uh, mountaineering, hiking, uh, ski touring, climbing. Um, I say those are kind of the 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 key activities. Mm -hmm. And on that basis, we have a very wide range of apparel products. I mean, the Iger Extreme is kind of the iconic line that I happen to be wearing here at the moment, mm -hmm. um, which is known for its durability and its amazing kind of performance qualities. Mm -hmm. um, so, a wide range of of apparel products. Then we have an, an increasingly growing um, range of footwear. Um, Mahmoud kind of, you know, joined that party reasonably late um, after the acquisition of Reichle, which is a, you know, a very strong, iconic brand that we took over. Uh, and now I think we have a, we have an amazing footwear brand that is that is growing and also in terms of sales with our customers. Mm -hmm. And we have a pretty wide range of, um, of uh, uh, equipment from you know the the Barry Vox is kind of the number one avalanche beacon uh, in the world and kind of all the products around that with the airbags and the shovels and the probes we have a, a quite a significant sleeping bag collection we have all the climbing collection you know around the the, the ropes and 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 the harnesses etc so indeed it is one of the widest ranges um in the industry and i think what's special about mammoth is it actually is able to be a leading brand in all of those different categories. Yeah. I mean, again, that, that was one of the things that kind of surprised me is you didn't, I didn't appreciate how, when you go down the rabbit hole of all the different products kind of go, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's obviously at the, at the top of its game. And obviously though, it, it's a Swiss company. Um, I'm sure one of the first questions everyone must get asked or you must get asked is, is it all Swiss made? So we uh, design everything in Switzerland and the, mm -hmm. the HQ is in Switzerland. That's where, you know all the all the product developments and marketing and branding happens mm -hmm. the manufacturing itself in some cases in switzerland like for example uh, the barifox is made in uh, in switzerland um, but most of our products are sourced in asia uh, mm -hmm. like you know like all of our competitors uh, we we source them through china vietnam myanmar uh, those countries and of uh, uh, i mean obviously you've got a passion for for endurance uh, sports and everything like that but of all the different categories that you have that you look not obviously look after them all which category of the mammoth family d uh, excites you you the most that's hard um that's a hard question look i'm extremely proud of the barry fox mm -hmm. um you know that's such an iconic product in fact to the fact that um the swiss post came out with a, a campaign this year where they're celebrating swiss innovation and for some key innovations they're producing a stamp um 
And now there is a Barivok stamp that you can actually send your Christmas letters with, uh, which is just the Mahmoud Barivox. And that's kind of, you know, incredible to make a product that is then used as a stamp um, uh, of a country. So I think that that that's I'm probably one of the most proud of. I think the kind of the apparel is obvious because it's, you know, it's the stuff I use the most on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. You know, there's there's uh, most days I'm wearing Mahmoud in some way or form. <laughs> um and you know there's you know for trail running for ski mountaineering for mountaineering for hiking for daily use it's all there and that's how i use it i'm i'm curious as well you know <coughs> you mentioned obviously uh you you know the, the berry box is obviously an iconic product that and with you know 100 years worth 160 years worth of history you know the challenge is as you know your role chairman or ceo and now chairman is trying to uh create that thread or that that thread of ethos from old to new and has the ethos of the of the brand changed from the very beginning to now as the technology and products have changed i mean the the business has changed incredibly i mean it was mm -hmm. um uh, it was for, you know for ropes only it was usually for industrial use not for mm -hmm. climbing okay. initially um so that has changed completely i think the ethos of kind of durability and quality has not changed i think those elements are still very much embedded in who mamut is today um and in the future and you know uh, as as you look to kind of the future and trying to you know take those core elements again big organization lots of different categories and everything like that how do you look to foster a a culture of of innovation with heritage and and how do you create that environment that allows those two elements to live live harmoniously well, I think it's not always easy, but I think what's um, what's a strong benefit at Mahmoud is that innovation is part of the heritage. Mm -hmm. That's you know that's why Mahmoud is so successful is because it's always evolved in creating superior products. Uh, you know, from the Barivox to the climbing ropes to the harnesses to the apparel, mm -hmm. the Iger Extreme. There's so many relevant kind of consumer relevant innovations that Mahmoud has mm -hmm. come up with over time, mm -hmm. and that's part of who we are. Uh, so I think it's actually, in this case, cherishing the heritage is also cherishing the innovation. And in in, in part of who you are, the uh, do you guys have many? Um, I would say cultural traditions that you 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 like to keep going. Like there's just, I don't know a certain award that you give out or an innovation award or something like that. Do you have certain traditions that you like to embrace to kind of make everybody feel part of the Mamut family? Well, that's a fun one. I mean, you know, Mahmoud is obviously a Swiss company um, and that in many ways is is an asset in itself, right? And I think a lot of the elements around precision and quality also are a match with the Swiss. And we just had our um, annual sales meeting to prepare for uh, this this uh, season selling to our, to our most important customers mm -hmm. for fall winter 23. And there is a, a trophy that's given out every year uh, and it's a big Swiss cowbell. Uh, that makes a lot of noise, and that's uh, you know the winner will uh, will 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 hold that cowbell um, for uh, for a year. It, it, what was, was the cowbell? What does it represent? Sorry, the cowbell. Yeah, no, but what does it represent? Who, who, oh, so you, it's, it's it? the kind of the team that 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 the oh. number of criteria. So the team, which will be a country that scores oh. the highest on those KPIs. Ah, brilliant! So they get to they get to have the bell. Nice. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and uh, you know those sort of things are obviously wonderful traditions. Um, but you know when you're when you're doing those sort of things, and you take a look because obviously you've had some fantastic experience as well. Uh, looking at all the different yeah, different different companies you work with, 
what are the kind of elements that you think make a, I'd say a good brand or a good company uh, that has a, a good culture that, that, that fosters, fosters family, fosters community and, and allows people to be part of something? What are the elements that make, make a good company like that? Hmm. Okay. Well, you've asked a few, you've asked brand company and culture. So those, yeah. um, but I think if you, if you, if I answer the question around company, then mm -hmm. obviously brand and culture uh, mm -hmm. would be uh, my, my first two points. And I think the brand is really is, is kind of around what is the heritage? What does it stand for? Um, how do people perceive the brand? Mm -hmm. How does it kind of communicate with the consumers? What is the relationship uh, is it a one-way communication? Is it a two-way communication? Um, and you know, changing the 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 fundamentals of a brand is mm -hmm. a tough journey. So if you have a brand that is not well known, or is is relatively well known but does not excel mm -hmm. in something special, it takes it take it can take a lot of investment and time to get to that point. Mm -hmm. I think the same is true for for culture. I mean, that is all about the people and the leadership. Um, I think in Mahmoud's case, you know, there's an incredible culture of performance and, you know, a willingness to always deliver. Um, and people are so proud about the brand and the activities that the company stands for. Um, that, you know, that just goes an extra mile. I think, you know, there's a saying from General Fock, which is F-O-C-H, he said in the war is that, you know, the most uh, important weapon is a motivated workforce. Uh, you know, so you can have all the best tools, but if people are willing to go the extra mile because mm -hmm. they believe in the purpose in the company, then almost anything is possible. And I really, yeah, I, I, I second that. That's that's kind of cool. you kind of almost answered a question I was going to ask you a little bit later on. But I was, you know, uh, in terms of uh, you, uh, was it general, general? Yes. Yeah. yeah um, I'm not going to try to pronounce the last name, but <laughs> F O T H General <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. Um, but I was going to say, who do you, uh, as as a chairman, you know, who do you look for, or who do you look to in terms of getting your inspiration, in terms of of leadership, not of 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 you know how to take this next step forward? Because you know you're at the top there. Sometimes it's difficult to kind of you know reflect. Obviously, you can reflect back, but it's sometimes lonely at the top. So, where do you look for inspiration? So um, I think you know, th there's over the years I've I've developed a, an incredible. A network of people that I've enjoyed working with, including you, um, and I would say that's where I get most of my inspiration. Is that you know I, I've met so many amazing people uh, with amazing perspectives, um, and I'm very lucky to have worked with with great people. And that's generally depending on on the topic. Um, that's generally where I get my inspiration. Somewhere in the network, depending on what the topic is and what I'm what I'm after. Cool. Well, thank you very much for being part <laughs> for, for allowing me part of that uh, process as well. Um, we, we touched on it at the beginning of the, of, of the conversation about some of the successes that you've had in terms of doing reports in terms of the work you're doing with Blue Sign and, and all these different uh, organizations for, for the environmental side of things. Um, and I think one of the ones you're working on right now is the closed loop shirt, I think, with uh, Protect Our Winters, who I think recently you're speaking with. So I'm curious to find out about from your side as well, the the actual cost of doing business uh, or the, the environmental impact of, of, of business and working with, uh, you know, the cost of, of working with um, uh, business and, and trying to be as accommodating an environmental state as well as running the business. And wondering if you might want to be able to speak to that. Yes. I mean, 
I uh, yeah, I, I did a kind of a keynote uh, at the Protector Winter Summit uh, mm -hmm. last Friday. That was a half an hour and it was quite short um, <laughs> for the topic. So kind of doing the topic justice here is going to be quite hard. But I think the essence is that um, there is really no choice. You can't say like, you know, am I going to invest in this? Yes or no. I mean, the answer is you have to. Uh, and yes, it it might cost you money in the first instance. But if you don't do this, your business is dead because mm -hmm. consumers care, our retail partners care, uh, and we have a responsibility for the planet. So we need to invest. And for us, you know, two of the most important things is to invest into finding solutions for new materials, um, mm -hmm. you know, around, for example, polyester. Um, and it's harder for us as a technical brand to replace that just, you know, by, by other uh, natural fibers um, than, than other brands that make T-shirts, for example, because, you know, our products need to be durable and waterproof and windproof and breathable, et cetera. So I think there's a lot of work to be done around uh, materials. And there's a lot of work to be done with our suppliers, who I mentioned are in China, Vietnam, for example, around how they get their energy and renewable energy, you know, so it could be solar or wind uh, or hydro. Um, those are two really important uh, challenges that we have, which we're working very hard on. Um, and a lot of these things, we need partners to do it. We need, you know, systemic change with governments. We need individuals to step up within the company, outside the company, our suppliers to step up. You know, there's a big movement going around now. Also retailers putting a lot of pressure on brands, which I think is fantastic. So I think if we all step up to this, the change will happen. And it needs to happen and it needs to happen quickly. And is it part of your your hope and or vision that Mammut is part of that that leading the way for other people as the example? Is that part of the vision? Look, I think, uh, I mean, for, for me, I mean, that would be great. Um, and I'd love people to follow our journey, but at the same time, we're not perfect. And there's other brands and startups doing other things that we probably even haven't thought of. So, you know, I think for me, it's not who gets there first. It's if we all get there together, that's much more important. Um, and if people, you know, steal a couple of our ideas, that's great. And, and you know, please do so because we're, we have a common problem here that we need to solve. And at the same time, you know, we also acknowledge that other people are doing things that we haven't thought about and we want mm -hmm. to learn from them. So this is really something that we have to do together. That's brilliant. I love that answer. Thanks very much for, for sharing. Um, I'm curious from, uh, from from your side as well, kind of one of the last sort of questions to ask is when somebody buys a Mamut product and walks out of the store or buys it online and gets it, opens up the product, what do you want them to feel when they're using or after they bought your products yeah that's a great question i mean i think the first emotion would be pride mm -hmm. proud to have bought um that product because you know mm -hmm. mammoth it is it is an investment it's an investment in quality and longevity those products go for a long long time i think excitement um mm -hmm. around oh i'm preparing for an adventure a big climb whether it's the Iger north face or a hike or whatever it is, mm -hmm. but definitely a sense of excitement mm -hmm. and a sense of, you know, maybe I can do something bigger than than what I thought I could, but at the same time feeling like, okay, Mammoth here to protect me, uh, but I know that in the end, I'm going to have to protect myself. So it's also a bit of realism around bigger adventures, mm -hmm. but doing them safely. Love it. Love it. I love that answer. Um, what do you think uh, Casper Tanner would be most proud of today if he were to teleport him in and sit down and have a conversation? What do you think he'd be most proud of today about Mammut? 
I think he'd be proud of the fact that the business still exists 160 years later, mm. uh, that it transforms itself time after time after time, uh, but that the essence of durability and longevity are still primary to the company. Brilliant. So uh, before we wrap up, we have three last questions we'd like to ask everybody. And uh, those three questions are, the first one is, if people had to take away a sentence, a phrase, or a word that encapsulates Mammut as a brand, what would that be? I'd say the leading mountain brand uh, in all over the world. Brilliant. What would you like your legacy or your sporting legacy to be? I guess the the if I could choose one thing, it would be to make a, a, a meaningful impact to uh, the health of our planet uh, through Mammut and all the other means that I have. Wonderful. And last question is, as an individual, who do you think a legend is and why? So my legend would be uh, Muhammad Ali, um, mm -hmm. you know, the best boxer of all time. And it's basically a quote that uh, I firmly believe in, um, which he says, if my uh, heart can believe it and my mind can conceive it, then I can achieve it. Cool. Uh, this comes back to what I shared around the, the time at Bever, right? If you have that faith, and if your heart really believes it and you're, 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 you can get your head around it, mm -hmm. then you can do anything. And that's basically how I run 100 miles mm -hmm. is that's that's that quote, right? If you set yourself to something and you really believe it, anything is possible. And that's true for, you know, all the listeners on this podcast. So I hope that some people take something away from that. That's wonderful. That's brilliant. Listen, uh, thank you so much. If people want to find out more uh, about you, about the products, where to get them, all that sort of stuff, how do they find out more? Where do they get in touch? How do they how do they get in touch with Mammut? Uh, well, the, the the easiest thing is on our website, mammut.com. Mm -hmm. um, that's where, where most journeys start and you can contact customer service or whatever. People can also contact me directly on LinkedIn or, um, or on my email, which uh, I'm happy for you to share uh, in the notes if that's helpful. Brilliant. That's lovely. Well, listen, Greg, thank I you so much. I won't try and pronounce my, my surname, right? Yeah. You know how complicated <laughs> yeah. it is. Yeah. It actually <laughs> looks much more complicated than it is. It's only new in-house, but it, it looks kind of quite daunting <laughs> outside of the Netherlands. Yeah. <laughs> well, listen, I really appreciate your, your time. I know you're busy. So uh, thank you very much for coming on today and for sharing your stories and uh, yeah, for sharing with us your journey. I really appreciate it. It's been a great pleasure, Phil. Thanks to see you. Great to see you again. Thanks. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of Legends of the Brand. Hope you enjoyed yourself. Listen, drop us an email at info at legendsofthebrand.com. That's info at legendsofthebrand.com if you'd like to reach out and get in touch. And make sure to check out the show notes also at all the W's at legendsofthebrand.com. Take care. Have a great day. Bye-bye.